now listening to the Motown Sports Talk Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, Jordan and Jimmy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Motown Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jimmy, as always. And today, we've got a very special guest on the show. It's Jim Bordeaux. He is the host of many, many podcasts. How are you doing, Jim? <laughs> We're, we're, I'm doing good. We have J3 in the building. Today. <laughs> yeah, it's all J's here today. <laughs> no, I'm doing really good. Um, I'm the host of the Detroit Sports Room and the Who's in the Room series. Mm-hmm. I do that. I also have the DSA Roundtable, which I host and other people host in the Detroit Sports Alliance. That is our group. Yep. And then um, I also do another show. It's called the Entrepreneurial Truth Podcast. And we mm-hmm. talk to entrepreneurs from all, or I do, <laughs> all from all over the world and see how they've got to where they are and what things have kind of held them back or what internal and external things have held them back and what kind of a roller coaster journey that their life has taken. Yeah, that, that's really awesome. So that's basically my first question for you is I know you kind of discussed this a little bit. You told us that it was you kind of used to listen to an old Lions podcast, some guys down in the basement <laughs> who used yep. to complain about the refs. But like what exactly made you want to start podcasting and when exactly did you first get into podcasting? Well, it's a long story, and I'll try to make it short, because when I was a kid, I had one of those old tape cassette recorders, and I would, you know, talk into it like I was talking about the weather or stuff like that. So I kind of always wanted to kind of do something like this. Yeah. So when a buddy of mine and, and me were watching a game one time, and I was listening to this podcast every week, it's called Lions in the Basement, and they would get really upset about the refs, and, you know, they'd be swearing and stuff like this, and getting upset, and acting like they're throwing stuff at the TV, and, you know, that type of thing, and I'm like, okay, I listened to the media at that time, and I listened to press conferences and stuff, I never heard anything like it, it's like, gosh, this is exactly how I feel, so yeah. I just got addicted to it. And then my, me and my buddy were talking one game after one game, and it was something that happened. I can't remember what the incident was exactly, but we just said, you know what? Why don't we sit down and record this stuff? <laughs> so we did. We started. We got microphones, and we started getting equipment and things like that. And then we built the Lions on the Prowl podcast, and that went in 2014 um, till recently. And uh, when we were just the podcast, we weren't on YouTube or video or anything, so yeah. we had like a it was 127,000 downloads for it. We had like 6,000 for two weeks in a row uh, listening to the show. So wow. it was pretty successful. Yeah, that's awesome. Problem was we were not real happy about talking about them losing every single year. I mean, year after year after year, you get really, really hyped, you know, in the off season. Oh, we got this guy. We signed that guy, you know, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. we're going to be really good. And then we suck like <laughs> seriously all the time. That's a familiar feeling. The NFC North, and, it, and it just started getting to us, you know, and it was like we had work and he works first shift. I worked or I worked first shift. He worked second shift. And it really got to the point where it was hard to record. Yeah. And so I stopped working. I, I started the Entrepreneurial Truth podcast last year, and then I started doing the Lions thing again. And then we just it just kept going from there. Yeah. Now, most of your podcasts are about sports. Tell me more about the Entrepreneurial Truth Podcast. Yeah. That is a podcast that started in a West Michigan nutrition place. So we would go there in the morning before work, and I'd talk to the bosses there, and they're like, so I'd give them advice and stuff like that on how they could grow their business and all this other stuff. And so he's like, man, you should you should do a podcast on this, because I had been doing the Detroit, you know, the sports stuff, and I did a live uh sport i did a live lions thing from there 
you know, oh. lines on the prowl, like live remote from their building and everything. Nice. And so as we kept talking, they're like, wow, you know, you should interview entrepreneurs. I know this person, that person. So it just started growing. And then like, oh, my goodness. So I made a Facebook group and and did it. I have 102 episodes on that right now. And I still have more in the queue that I've got to get out. But nice. it's been a journey. I had people that have been from, you know, wanting to commit suicide and committed to a mental hospital and then succeeding. Right. As an edit, as, as an editor, an award winning blog person, I had a person 23 years old that has a master's degree, you know, at 23, you know, wow. pretty good, yeah. you know, good people, people that are extraordinary people that all had things in their life that, um, tripped them up. You know what I'm saying? They wow. all had stuff in their life that was like a wall or roadblock or something like that. For me personally, I had kidney failure in 2006. Oh. And so I lost both kidneys. Actually, I had like 12% function in one when wow. I went to the ER. So uh, I had to have emergency surgery and uh, they placed a port in me. And it was a grueling five day thing. And I've almost died a few times. I think it's like three times I was pretty close to death in that Jeez. whole thing. I got a transplant in 2009. And so I just have a heart for people you know, that go yeah. through stuff. And I had one lady that I had on the show, her house burned down and, and I, you know, didn't get anybody in the house. Thank God. But just, it just caused so much trauma in her life yeah. that it was, it was tough to go on. Now she builds websites for people and has her own branding. And it's like three, four different businesses she's doing right now. <laughs> she's doing amazing. Yeah. But it, it's all kinds of walks of life. It's all kinds of people that are just like me and you, um, but you know, some of them make really good money doing things that I'm like, wow, you did what, <laughs> you know, so were so, you an entrepreneur? What was your background there? Um, not really, to be honest. No, I mean, I almost force of habit because in, like I said, 2006, I got the kidney failure. So between the times that I wasn't working and I was in dialysis, I would just read. I mean, that's all bored for four hours with needles in your arms what do you do and i i just went and i read all the books that i could find i read all kinds of entrepreneur entrepreneurial books and and use that online knowledge that i learned to help like a brick and mortar business saying oh okay we could do this and we can help you in this way so you, do you have an email list they're like what <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean they didn't even know what i meant so it's like okay do you have a landing page you know do you have people, people where you can capture their email when they sign in and stuff so you can send them the special things that you do and and stuff and how's your facebook page and you know and instagram and do you do this and do you do that you know and all those yeah. things that could drum up business for them do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. just trying to help out in any way I could because there were good people and, and just trying to make an honest living doing something they love to do. And, yeah. and it just it captures my heart. I'll tell you the truth. That's, yeah. that's more what it is. Preserve, persevere through tough times. It's always good to hear. <clears throat> and like you said, it always warms your heart hearing people make it out of rough times in their life and become on to be, do successful thing years. Like, obviously, like you have, you've come on after your kidney failure and you've done, look at all this stuff you've created. So, yeah. Yeah. So that oh, I say, he was answering me. He asked me that. And I do, I do websites and I do logos for people and it's kind of low key. I don't really talk about it a whole lot, but you know, that's how I make a buck here and there. And you know, I, I'm, I'm home full time now, which is really nice. Yeah. So it is somewhat of a success thing, but you know, it's not, it's not great. Entrepreneurship's kind of up and down and it's kind of a roller coaster. Some nights, months, it's like, whoa, 
oh, it did so good this month. Next month, they're crying because you have no money. But I'm just kidding. No, no, I totally. <laughs> but it is kind of like that. It is kind of a roller coaster. Maybe that not that extreme. Yeah. But it is kind of that way. Of course, you're always going to have some months that do better than others. But still, just to be able to say you're your own boss and be able to lead your own destiny. I just got an invite to speak at the podcast movement event this year. Oh, wow. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I was like, well, that's cool. I don't know. I don't know yet if I'm going to do it or not. But it, it was an opportunity that I thought was was just huge in my life. Yeah. You know, just, that's like, who am I? You know, yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're asking me. I'm like, wow, that's cool. Exactly. I mean, hey, that's an awesome honor, no matter who it is to be recognized by some type of, by other people in your field. That's an awesome thing. Yeah. So that brings up my next question, though. How exactly did you get everyone involved in the Detroit Sports Alliance? I know you've got kind of a group of people that you do it oh, with all that the time. Oh, that was not me. No, uh -huh. no, 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 that wasn't me. So they had Luke G and uh, Detroit Drew uh -huh. and all these other people that were in there before me. Micro Mike was in there at the time. And there was just all kinds of really cool people that were big into YouTube that mm -hmm. said, Hey, you know, you used to do the podcasting thing, you're doing the YouTube thing. Why don't you come join us and we'll all pull our efforts together. Oh, you know, and awesome. we try to help other other up and coming YouTubers like a guy named Writer Wrong who comes out with content, but he's like 17 years old, a good kid, you know, and he just joined. And so we're trying to grow and help other YouTubers, you know, get up there, you know, with yeah. their their follow following thing or their audience, basically. Yeah, that's awesome. Again, I've watched tons of their videos before. I didn't know exactly who started it. I just assumed that you again doing so many things that you somehow oh, no, put that together no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no i did their website for them so i i did that and so everything on there i did um i came up with the logo the new design so i did that too uh it's just anything i can do to help out you know yeah for sure that's awesome all right so you go let's move on to the lion stuff you were born in bremerton washington yes right? mm -hmm. yep. base so how'd you get started as a lions fan well, this was a simple story. My dad was a Marine and uh, he was in Vietnam. Uh, he was towards the end of his tour and my mom, you know, I, I came right then, you know, so she was at the Naval base and they were in, out in Washington state. And so I was born at Bremerton Naval Hospital out there. And then as soon as we were ready to travel, I mean, I don't think we stayed there very long at all. Uh, of course, I don't remember any of that. I grew up in Michigan. I grew up in Muskegon, Michigan. And uh, for me, it's just I grew up in Michigan. You know, I was born there, but I don't remember any of it, to be honest. You know, I've, I've looked it up and I've tried to learn a little bit about out there. And, you know, I, it holds a little bit of a special place in my heart just because of the fact that I was born there. But I was I was raised here. So, of course, my dad would watch the Lions all the time. And and I think for me, because when I first started watching, I, I can't remember. I think the coach was Monty Clark. And I just love the colors. You know, that was the first thing. I know this kind of sounds stupid, but then it was Billy Sims and the big one's always Barry Sanders. But I was hooked way before that. Mm -hmm. I was hooked with the Silver Rush and, and all that way back when, you know, uh, William Gay and, and, and those guys, Porsche, Spielman, you know. Kofer. Mike Kofer. Oh, that's a name I remember. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's been a long, long time now. Mel Gray, a lot of people think uh, about, you know, the return men that we've had, but Mel Gray was special. He was great. Way back then. Uh, steady Eddie Murray instead of Jason Hansen. And we had Jason Hansen, but well, I remember when Jason Hansen first started and Eddie Murray had just been, has just left and they're like, oh God, who's this kid? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we you know? The second round. 
Yeah, yeah. Super high pick. Yeah, super super high pick, but how super worth it if you look back at it. Yeah, just super worth it, you know. So yeah, I, I just I became enthralled with them, and I have been ever since. And and I you know I watched them in '91 when they went and and crucified Dallas, and then they go get murdered by Washington, which really sucked, but. You know, it was, it was ups and downs back then. We were always kind of contending for a playoff spot and always, you know, really close in that era. Yeah. And we kind of got rid of Wayne Fonts because we were just kind of like the Red Wings. We'd always kind of make the playoffs or get close to the playoffs, but we'd never move any farther. And they thought, well, if we get rid of him, yeah, maybe we'll we'll go farther. And guess what? We never did. <laughs> it was Wayne a bad Fonts mistake. Had Wayne Fonts had that habit of making comebacks late in the year. Like he did. Thanksgiving game, they'd string off a bunch of wings. I still yep. remember Chris Berman on the Sunday Night Show calling him Rasputin, I think. Yeah. <laughs> comebacks. He keeps coming time. back from the dead. So it's like year after year, oh, he's going to get fired. Yep. A horrible start to the yep. season, and they string off a whole bunch of victories. The players loved him, though. You know, and, and then his Bobby Ross after that, and, and Barry Sanders just didn't like his whole offensive scheme and didn't like the way he was going to be used and then Barry retires and it's, yeah, a, it's sort just of a, a dark day background yeah and Wayne Fonts was more of a player's coach so it's more like a Caldwell the Patricia thing today it's true you know it's very close to that and some players didn't like that and Barry was one of them mm-hmm. and so Barry retired uh, kind of the way he played you know he just kind of sent in a little memo I think it was in <clears> London or something at the time and it's like okay well here you go hand the ball off like he did it for all the touchdowns that he scored here. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and fans got bitter about it, but I mean, if you're him and you've been there for 10 years and this team just can't win, you know, it, it's frustrating. And then that mirrors Calvin Johnson, I think mm-hmm. too. Yeah. With that him. same sentiment, you know, it's just, you know, my body's beat up now. Yeah. I mean, I could play another year, but for what purpose, what am I going to do? Lose again? <clears throat> exactly. It, it, it's not appealing when you lose all the time. Yeah, with me being born in 94, I haven't even seen one playoff win yet. So, because that was back I'm in 91. So, so, yeah, it's been yeah. a rough, been a rough go for me, but that's what I'm hopeful for this year. There's always this year, right? There's <clears> but, always next year. Exactly. I mean, the next that, year coming up. That, exactly. This year, next <laughs> Jimmy year. Jimmy knows. <laughs> hey, it's same thing. It's been a long sentiment in my whole life, even though it's much shorter, but still, it's. I've been saying that every year. It's like, like even you mentioned earlier, it's like every off season you get hyped, all the players you brought in, all the players you drafted, you get excited. You think they're going to be great. You think they're going to be amazing. And you know it's just each let down. It's all, it's really not like that here. Here's how I think it goes, Jimmy. I want you to see if, if you think this is true. So we'll, we'll go into free agency and you're all stoked. There's these three or four players that you really want them to get. Right. And it's like, normally they don't, they get some other guy that you've kind of never heard of before, or you've heard of, but you don't think is that great. You know, mm-hmm. so you're like, oh, kind of disappointed. Well, then you start researching the guy and you're not, you're thinking how he fits the team and thinking, you know what? It ain't, it ain't as bad as what I thought. By, by, by the, when the season comes, you love this dude. <laughs> you know, same thing with the draft. The draft is the same way. And this year we selected Jeffrey Okuda. I wanted Isaiah Simmons and I've said it the whole time. I don't mm-hmm. care, you know. But now I love Okuda. I can't wait to see him because of blah, blah, blah. And we selected DeAndre Swift. Do I think that was the right pick? No way in hell. But guess what? We did it. So now I'm looking at DeAndre Swift and thinking, wow, him and carry on in the backfield. This is going to be great. But as I think we change our mind on the players instead of uh, instead of, oh, we fall in love with it right away. Hmm. We 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 uh, picked Big V. I'm not even attempting that. 
But we picked Big V. Who did I want? I wanted Jack Conklin. You know, that's mm-hmm. who I wanted. Exactly. But now we've got Big V. So now I have to look at him and say, okay, he's not him, but oh, oh he's good enough. So how many how many times do you think that you've seen it where it's like in the years that you've watched that you've seen the players that you wanted only to have them pick somebody else and say, well, he's good enough, and then really get hyped by the end of the season. By the end of the preseason, you're like, oh, we're going to be really good. Yeah. <laughs> have yeah. you guys every done year. that? Yep. Yeah, every, every year. Every and single year. Part of that <laughs> eternal optimistic hope as a Lions fan, and if we weren't like that, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. not. But it, it does drive you crazy, though. And they, It's one of the things that I, th- I find funny about our community is that you know, even though we picked a guy that we didn't want or we took a guy in free agency that we're like, really? You know, we sit there and we, we stand behind those players when they come in. They're ours now. Mm-hmm. You know, once they put that, you know, if they sign the dotted line on the contract, they're now ours. And they're now loved by most of the fans unless they screw up and they're hated. But, you know. I'm, Eric <laughs> Ebron is a perfect that. example of that. <laughs> Eric E. Bust. And there's a few. And the one that confuses me right now is Jared Davis. The rest of the league loves him, and we don't. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, yeah. the rest of the league looks at Jared Davis and like, wow, that dude is athletic, and he's good, and he's a good linebacker. And we look at him like he overpursues. He's a terrible linebacker. You really can't cover anybody. <laughs> you know, you point him in one direction, he might hit the quarterback, but, you know. But yeah. Th- it's just a difference of how we see things in our bubble versus how everybody else sees things and how our players are used. Exactly. Speaking of guys you don't want, Antonio Brown <laughs> just got announced that he's getting suspended for the first eight games. So do we bring this guy in halfway through the season? No. No. I, okay, if you're going to create a culture and you're getting rid of players, mm-hmm. right? Darius Slay you're getting rid of. You traded Quandre Diggs. You're getting rid of players that are vocal. Why do you sign Antonio Brown? Number one, we already have Kenny Galladay, maybe. And then we have Marvin Jones. We have Amendola. We have Cephas. Our wide receiver position is not, you know, it doesn't lack depth. So if you're saying, well, we want to bring in a 1A or uh, some uh, a guy that's just a superstar, Kenny Galladay led the league in touchdown catches last year. And Marvin Jones wasn't far off. I don't, I don't see the point of bringing somebody in that could yeah. upset the apple cart, yeah. especially at that position. Yeah. yeah, I agree. That was my argument against uh, Yannick Ngakwe, too. Same thing. Why would you try to mm-hmm. bring in someone who has been that vocal and that negative towards the team and towards an owner and all that stuff? There's no reason to bring someone in like that into your lock- locker room. No, we've already had that. Yeah. <laughs> we, talk, we discussed that on our interview together. Yes, so, exactly. So one point you just brought up is that Kenny Galladay led the league in touchdowns last year, and the NFL's top 100 players list recently came out, and not one single Lions player made the list. Not Kenny Galladay, not Matthew Stafford. Darius Slade not did Frank make Greg it. now. Yep, but he's obviously not a Lion anymore. So, yeah, so Slade, we, Slade isn't. Yeah. So what is your, yeah, sorry about that. So what is your opinion on, like I said, especially Kenny Galladay being leading the league in touchdowns, being an up and coming top wide receiver, not making the top 100 players list when there was some garbage wide receivers on, in my opinion, at that bottom tier. It is the three, uh, the three 12 and one record. If you Mm -hmm. notice there's three teams that didn't have anybody on there. Right. And that was Cincinnati, Washington, and Detroit. Mm-hmm. What did they pick in the draft? One, one two, and three. Yep. 
Okay, so that's one thing. The other thing is the national media, the way they look at our players, look at the Madden ratings. Mm. You know, if you want to get upset, just look at that, (laughs) you know, about our players and how the national um, perception of our team is. Mm -hmm. Because you have players leaving this team that, that say it's a terrible place to be, blah, blah, blah. And this isn't the first time. This is years and years of this happening. So nationally, I don't think they look at us as a decent team at all. And they do slight our players in the Pro Bowl. They do it in the top 100. I mean, I could make an argument for Matthew Stafford in the top 100. He was top five in every category. He was on his way to 5,000 yards. And mm-hmm. they've also put people in there that only played six or seven games yeah, that exactly. were in the top 100. So why not him? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just the national perception of the Lions. The national media barely talks about them. And if they do, it's mostly negative. Unless you're talking about uh, Nate Burleson or a former Lion in the ESPN, <laughs> you know, yeah. Orlovsky, somebody like that, um, you're, you're mostly looking at negative comments, mm-hmm. you know. So, and it's like they'll talk up Cleveland, which Cleveland isn't much better than we are, but they'll talk them up for 15 minutes, and you might get one little snippet of Lions news, right? And it's usually negative. Exactly. Winning changes everything. And that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. If we if we were in the playoffs last year, we would be I'm sure we would have three players on that list. Like I said, whether it be yeah. Galladay, Stafford, Ragnow or another anyone else. Marvin uh, Jones, even. Exactly. Yeah. He is. Like I said, when you look at some of those bottom tier wide receivers that made the top 100, I think Allen Robinson made the list. And like mm-hmm. Mar- Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are both by far. DJ Metcalf made the list. Yeah, he's seriously. He's a good wide receiver, but he's not a top 100 he's top not, player. He, he didn't beat out Kenny Galladay. No, no, not at all. But it yeah. is what it is, man. All right, yeah. Speaking of players that we like, give me one of your favorite under-the-radar players from the past. From the past? Ooh. Yeah. This is a good one. I want, what do you what do you consider under the radar? Because I would th- I, I'm thinking of uh, Willie Green, wide receiver. Willie Green, touchdown machine. Yep. <laughs> oh. Willie Green. I liked uh, Johnny Morton. Benny Blades was a bigger name player, but I don't think he gets the recognition all time that he deserves. Um, man, there's so many of them, huh? Yeah, Benny Blades was a force back there. He, he was. Power. He was. Intimidation. <laughs> And, and it's like there's so many players that I I like. Robert Porsche, uh, one of the best. Um, Luther Ellis, underrated as a defensive tackle. Yeah. You know, in that in that vein. And one that I want to bring up that is almost a heartbreaking story is Eric Andelsick. He was a guard, and he was purported to be one of the strongest men in the NFL. And he got hit by a semi while he's mowing his lawn Ooh. and killed. Jeez. So that was right... Uh, in those two, three years in that in that area, Mike Utley also got paralyzed as a center. Yeah, so cool. you had Kevin Glover on that same line. What kind of line would you have had if those guys stayed healthy or, or alive even? Yeah, Lomas Brown was that time. Oh yeah, Lomas Brown. But he's kind of re- he's kind of recognized though, I think. Yeah. You know, if you want to go, I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, Corey Schlesinger. That's another guy. <laughs> Fullback. I loved him, man. He was a little battering ram, you know, intense. I just, I love the guy, you know, so, so there's all kinds of players that you go back and you think about it. And here's one, 
not too distant future, not too distant past. How about Willie Young, seventh round draft pick, ends up being a defensive end, rotational almost starter for us, yep. and then he goes to Chicago and starts mm-hmm. for them as a seventh round draft pick. Yeah, we usually don't hit on those real late no. round picks. No, we don't. We hit on Willie Young. <laughs> so there, there's a few. Um, of course, for me, Dave Craig came over from Seattle. Little little hands, Dave Craig, Dave quarterback Craig that used to be with the Seahawks, and uh, he, he was really good in Seattle because he, they they ran the quarterback draw all the time. He killed every team that they used it on for some reason. I don't really know why, but he was a decent quarterback here too. Yeah, well, when did he play? He played in '94, I think '93, '94, somewhere in there. Eric he got Kramer. hurt that year. I think Kramer. Eric Kramer was the one that led us into the playoffs. Yeah, he he won the Cowboys game, the playoff mm-hmm. game. Yeah, dominant performance in that playoff game. Yeah, and I never think of him as a dominant quarterback. I just don't. Yeah. So where were you during that '91 playoff game? Where what? Where were you during that '91 playoff game? Against oh, I was home. <laughs> <laughs> I was home. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't I didn't travel much then. You know, I just didn't. In 94, I was in Minnesota, actually, living in Minneapolis for a year for college. So it's like, yeah, all over the place. The Metrodome was like a block away, and I never went. Wow. I I just never went. I'm scared of heights, by the way. So that's (laughs) that's one of the things. So if I have to sit way up high, that's not good for me. (laughs) Just buried out now. Have you gone to any Lions games? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Once Pistons games, Lions games, you know, and things like that. But only in the Silverdome. I haven't been to Ford Field. It's a a three-and-a-half-hour drive for us here. Mm. so it's it's a ways it's actually faster to get to chicago from here Jeez, because you're on the western side of the state right yeah we are uh in muskegon like right up against lake michigan oh geez yeah that's like michigan's thought. 10 minutes from my house wow that's awesome yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah michigan is uh underappreciated huge state yeah I, I, yeah it is i mean I, people don't don't realize how how far the north to the south of the state is oh, if yeah. you include the up it's crazy Mm-hmm. crazy yeah. long if, yeah if you're trying to drive straight all the way through up to the, the uh Mackinac bridge it's a what i don't know five six hour drive it's and it's long yeah. grueling drive it's, it's long drive it might be longer than that if you're coming from the border or something yeah you know i don't know yeah it's but crazy. yeah it's 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 a, it's a but it's a fun state there's just so much to see and the trees and the, the beaches are beautiful oh, yeah. and you know, it's surrounded by water, which is really cool. And there's all kinds of inland lakes. It's a great place to be. It really is. Yeah, almost no matter. But then you go, then you have winter, and then everything sucks. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Especially here, holy uh, cow! No matter where you go, you almost got beaches on all around the state. But like you just said, you can only access them half the year. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, you got six months to kind of you know check those out, and then that's it. Especially here because we have lake effect snow, so we average like a hundred hundred inches a year. Wow. Yeah, here. that's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. All right. So we'll move on to a little bit more modern Lions topics now. So okay. my uh, question for you, I know we discussed this a little bit on our interview, but talking about the offseason and some of the pieces that the Lions have brought in, do you think that we've brought in enough pieces on defense to revamp this total, like just totally bring it up to what Matt Patricia thinks it's going to be? Or do you think it's going to be about the same and we're just going to keep rushing three and not get any pressure on the quarterback? I think that I think that we don't. Uh, I think we're never done building. I think Bob Quinn's even said that, that mm-hmm. you're never you're never done. Um, but I think there's more pieces there than people realize there are. Oh, uh, yeah. Deshaun Hand is someone people has really forgot about, and that guy 
he, he put up a he he could be an elite defensive tackle, pass rushing defensive tackle, DN for us. Mm. Um, you put him beside Danny Shelton, who I think is could have a breakout year. Yeah. I think he's better. I think Danny Shelton could be better than the snacks we had last year for sure. Oh yeah, and, and that's a huge upgrade in this defense because you have to understand the defense to that defensive line is is predicated on that position. You know, you have to get pressure up front, but you have to stuff the run and you have to st- you have to take up some double teams so Trey Flowers can come in, the Jack linebacker can go in and do his job, the mm-hmm. third safety can blitz. The addition of Deron Harmon is huge. People are going to underestimate this 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 pickup, but it frees up Tracy Walker to actually be more of a strong safety, which is more in his wheelhouse. He's good at, at tackling. He's good at uh, defending the run, getting down there and smoking some people. <laughs> you know, I, I no, I really like that. It frees yeah. up Will Harris to be more of who he is too. Exactly. Uh, because Deron Harmon's going to be your deep safety, your cover safety, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and he assists the uh, cornerbacks, so that's going to be better. I think our secondary is a lot better than people think it will be. It's going to take Akuda a little while to adjust, but that guy studies like crazy. Yeah, that guy is. If you want a guy that wants to improve, that is the guy, man. He he does everything he can to mentally prepare for a game. Mm-hmm. So then you've got um, on the other side. God, why am I forgetting his name? Um, help me out, I'm guys. A, the other corner, we got Justin Trufant. Yeah, Jesus, why did I want to call him something else? <laughs> we got Trufant, we got Justin Coleman in the slot. And then people forget about Awarie, but I think Awarie and uh, Okuda is going to be a pairing for years to come. Yeah. And if you look at the secondary, we, we might be able to put on the field. That's good. Mm-hmm. And it gives those, those pass rushers a little bit of time to get there. Exactly. You know? Yeah, the I first th- year, we had a lot of coverage sacks. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll see that again, but that's also predicated on the nose tackle position too because every position helps the other in this defense. Exactly, yeah. It's all all uh, equal balance, if you could say. And I like... Yeah, I was... but we have a... Like I said, we, we there's things that we were missing last year. Yeah. So we're missing that big plugger in the middle, really. I mean, because yeah. Snacks is a shell of himself. Mm-hmm. We're missing anybody to cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield, but now, now you have. Uh, um, why am I forgetting names today? Jamie Collins. Yep. Who's a who's a you know he he is so good at covering out of the backfield, but he's also really good at at, at getting to the quarterback. He's good at tackling, shutting down the run. That dude is a jack of all trades. Yeah. We didn't have that last year. Exactly. What we really didn't have is depth at all on the defense, like you said, because once players started dropping like flies, it was we didn't really well, have anyone. There's your problem. You know what happens? What happens if Danny Shelton opts out? Mm-hmm. Now, who do you have there? Tennessee? You don't have Atkins anymore. Kevin no. Strong. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know who we put at nose right now. That's but... what I'm telling you. You know the depth is not good. Yeah, it really isn't. But if all those pieces stay healthy and they all stay in the game. Could be a really good defense. Yeah. People don't think that, but yeah, they 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 judge it on last year, which we had a lot of players hurt last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, that, and that's difficult for us. Do I think we could add another player? I don't think we should, but um, no, I really don't think we should. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I know we discussed this on the interview with uh, you, you and me, but I think that we could end Mike Daniels if he's willing to take a veteran minimum. I think he could be, if he's, again, stays healthy, that's the biggest thing. I think he could be maybe just a little bit of depth for that nose tackle position. But as as you he's were... He's more of a pass rushing DT than he is the, uh, the space eater type that we need. Yeah. So if I was going to go and get somebody, I would get a backup. Uh, for Danny Shelton. I think that's the one area we're really, really weak in. Mm-hmm. On the converse side, uh, a backup position for Frank Ragnow. You yeah. know, Bo Benchwall, and there's another guy that's the center, but that is a really big drop mm-hmm. from center to your second uh, second in line. Our depth is really bad in certain areas. What do you think about Nick Williams? I like Nick Williams. Um I think he was more of, like I said, the pass rushing defensive tackle, although he can do both. You know, I think that's why they got him. You know, he can do both. He's a veteran. He's 30 years old already. Uh, I worry about him because he's only had one good season uh, with the Bears, but uh, I don't see him plugging a hole. You know what I'm saying? Like that big, big defensive tackle that we might need, like snacks or somebody like that. Mm -hmm. I think he could slide into that role. Uh, and then you put Deshaun Hand on the other side like you would if Danny Shelton went down, was there. But that's that's not a bad idea if you're gonna if you're gonna replace him with somebody. That's who I would replace him with. So do we bring Andre Fluello back for the? No, I, I think time? that he had so many contracts with the one. Remember, it was like him and uh, him and um, okay. You know, names are killing me today. <laughs> Don Muleback. <clears throat> It's like one-year deal, one-year deal, one-year deal, you know. Mm-hmm. But with Fluellen, it was like, is he available still? Okay, <laughs> let's, let's just bring him in. Every time we needed somebody, we would bring Fluellen in, and he actually didn't do a bad job for us. No, he, he was, but it was, he was a backup. He was always available. Yeah, that's the thing. He was always ready for us. Let me tell you something about why I'm worried about bringing free agents in, okay? Because we have people out there like Everson Griffin. We have... You know, um, just, uh, you know, a bunch of players that are big names and all this stuff. Every penny that we spend on the salary cap this year um, takes away from next year. Let me explain why. Mm -hmm. At at this point, the NFL has decided that $175 million is going to be the basement cap for next year. So Mm -hmm. that's the lowest it can go. But assuming all this happens over the four years and the COVID and all this stuff, we don't know what's going to happen with stadiums, with fans and all the revenue that they bring in it's all based on that that salary cap number so mm-hmm. we have like 21 23 million dollars left that will break even for next year if yeah. we held that money over we'd be breaking even yeah jimmy so and i discussed what that i'm a saying bit. is is this we're so used to the salary cap increasing that we want to spend all the money we have Detroit has been smart about it, and they went uh, with the theory, okay, we're going to hold over money every year, you know, roll it over into that next year, which we've been doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Colts have done it really successfully. They have $95 million in cap space, and they just sign people to huge contracts, but it doesn't matter because they keep rolling over the money and not spending. They spend wisely, and Mm -hmm. then they just roll that money over and roll it over and roll it over. We're in a decent situation. Now, like the Saints, they're in a terrible situation. I mean, they're going to have to cut players left and right next year. And there are going to be teams that are way over the cap uh, or that are under the cap now that are going to be way over the cap next year. Uh It's an unprecedented situation where normally, yeah, we would go get somebody and it'd be easier to go get somebody. Can we 
kick the can down the road a little bit and restructure a contract here or there to accommodate another player? We could, but it would really jeopardize uh, what we have been doing with the cap and, and what the Lions have been able to do. Do you remember the years of cap hell with uh, Martin Mayhew and all those guys that every single year we had to cut players and lose people and had to had to let Dominican Sue go because we just couldn't pay him as much or match a contract or this or that. We're not in that situation anymore. Right. You know, and that's the reason we're not. We don't sign a lot of these big name free agents, and that's probably why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, back when what most of our salary cap was tied up between three players and Sue Johnson and Stafford. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Jimmy and I discussed that a little bit on our show about how they're kind of pushing the salary cap ahead a few years and kind of changing that up a little bit because obviously they don't, like you said, they don't really know exactly what's going to happen with the total revenue. They're just trying, but the salary cap for this year is staying the same. That's the one main thing. Yeah, it's staying the same, but then next year it drops significantly. And that's part of the reason. Bob Quinn was on his press conference. He said, well, we can't get the guys in for, you know, physicals and stuff. We can do it on off off campus, like at the hospital, Ford Hospital, whatever. But they can't bring in players to work them out. They have no idea what, you know, what they're going to be like to Mm -hmm. interview them via Zoom and interview them in person is two different things. And when you're making that big of an investment in someone, you really want to work them out and see how they're doing and, you know, put them through your drills with your coaches and Mm -hmm. your team and your team doctors so they can look at them and, and, and report back to you. They don't have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason that we're not signing anybody at this point. Yeah, exactly. So now, you men- talk to more Lions fans and insiders than maybe anybody. So tell us, how do you feel like we're going to do this year? I got us at eight and eight. And that's barring injury. <laughs> yeah, a little I'm, I'm just being honest. I went through the whole list of the teams that we play and matched them up. And I had to... My formula for every year is I take every team and I think, you know, put them against our guys and, and it's all on paper, but it's also from experience. And so then I look at the teams and I look at our, our, the way we play, the way they play, our defense, their offense, their offense, our defense. And then I take, they take that number that I come up with and I subtract two games for the refs. <laughs> and then, so I had them 10 and six, and then they went back to eight and eight because the two games were going to get screwed out of this year. Cause you always have to count that. Right. Yeah, I personally the refs, the refs are talking about their opt out options right now. Ooh. So if a bunch of refs opt out, what do you think that's gonna do to the lion season? Oh, it won't matter. It's directed by the NFL. If it hasn't been directed by the NFL to do this to us, it wouldn't happen every single year. It wouldn't happen over and over again. Do you think the officials have changed in the last forty years? Because I do. And it doesn't matter who who the ref is. It seems like they all. How do they always get it wrong for Detroit? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I would go through every single play, but you know him, Calvin Johnson, and the batted ball thing, the thing where the guy's knee was on the ground. Houston Thanksgiving Day, we throw a flag and they reward us with a penalty and say, ah, we can't look at it now because you threw the challenge flag. Which, if you're trying to get it right, that makes absolutely no sense. Calvin Johnson sitting on his butt in the end zone with the ball in the air. That is not a touchdown, folks. <laughs> Seriously, there are stuff. There's stuff that I've seen over my time in Detroit that is so egregious. I, I can't even believe they saw the same thing that I did. And then when the league looks at it and hands us their customary apology, I tell them they can shove their apology right 
uh, where the sun don't shine. Let's put it in a good way for your <laughs> show. I'm not sure. I probably would have said something different, but <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> it's just to me. No, it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters who the refs are. Mm-hmm. I don't. The one year we had the, I think it was the scab officials. Do you remember that year? Yeah. And Green Bay got got screwed uh, in the end oh. zone or something, and yeah, it, I can't remember the whole thing. Seahawks. They yeah. cried and whined so much, and they got the they actually got the regular refs to come back. That's how much they hollered and whined and all this stuff, you know. Uh-huh. So when it happens to other teams, changes come. When it happens to our team, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. And I I've lived with that my whole life. But I do believe it's Detroit versus everybody. I totally believe in that. Um, it's too, it's too much to be coincidental. If you're even looking at it logically, look at, look at statistics. There's no way this one team can have this many bad things happen. You know, it just, it's, it's not logical. Well, as I say, you're not paranoid if they really are out to get you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We could go on forever about all this stuff and times that the lines have been screwed. And I'm sure you guys, I could go on for a whole day and you guys could go on for a couple more days. Um, yes, all exactly. The, all the times that we've been screwed. So, yeah. So speaking of being screwed, um, what are your thoughts on Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson and Justin Coleman and Amani Ward and a few other people, uh, a few other players who have tested positive for COVID-19? What do you think about that? Um, First, I want to clarify something because it's not that they've tested positive. It could be that they've been in contact with somebody who's tested yeah. positive as well. They may not even have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they the have only to guy be that's cordoned. confirmed positive is Justin Coleman. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the and he says he feels great. Yeah. That he's asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know, you know, I'm not around him every day, thank God, because I'd be no, I'm just <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? I think this is good that we're getting this this many out of the way right away. It means some of the testing is working. Uh-huh. That means the protocol is working. I'd be more scared if we had nobody. Yeah. To be honest about it, because that means while we think we're safe, are we really? And then to have it happen in the middle of the season where all of our players are just on this on this list. I'd rather have it now and and learn from it rather mm-hmm. than have it in the end. Is it going to hurt us? Yes, it's going to hurt us because because we're losing more valuable time. You know, if you're going to start training camp really soon, I hope these guys can get back on the field before that happens. Uh If we lose them for a length of time or we keep losing more players, that hurts us because then we're not on the field. We're not getting reps. We're not getting ready for the season. We're not getting conditioning that we need. And if they have to do it on their own, great. But I think it's better in the program that they're set up for, you know, with the team. But I, I, I think that right now this is a good thing. Yeah, the Lions have the most players who are on their COVID list than any other team. So I don't know like, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I do agree with you. And again, we've all talked about this before, that it's good to hopefully build up an immunity or just catch it before the season. Again, that way you can build up some type of immunity and ho- hopefully you won't catch it again. We still obviously still no one really knows if you can fully catch it again yet or not. But but that's not the only thing, though. It's to know that your protocols in place are catching something. Yeah. That's you know, you don't want to set a mouse trap and then never catch a mouse. Exactly. You want to be able you to know, find it. Because then you know what you're doing isn't right. Mm-hmm. At least we know that what we're doing is working. You exactly. know, we are catching the problem. We are quarantining. We are doing the right thing. And uh, what do you think, Jimmy? You would know more about this than both, both of us up here combined. So, uh, About what? About the, <laughs> about the COVID testing and the 
the positive, well, the one positive test and the rest of the players that are on that list right now, do you feel like it's a, it's a situation where they're, um, they're catching it and, and the, and the protocols working or how do you see this? Yeah, I, I think their protocols are good. Uh, listening to the Bob Quinn press conference, it's clear that they have huge attention to detail. They've, undertaking so many measures in the off season to be on top of this. So I fully trust the Lions medical staff to be on top of all the protocols and testing procedures. Yeah. Cool. Do you think it's better to have all these players on the list now uh, at first and later? Yeah, I think it helps improve the chances we're going to have a good season. It possibly decreases the chances we're going to have positive tests during the regular season. Yeah. Yeah, that's my thought as well. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right. So my final question for you, Jim, is kind of involving the whole COVID thing. The MLB has canceled a few games. They canceled another one for tonight, and they've already canceled, I believe it was two, maybe more. I might be wrong in, in the last few days because so many players keep and coaches keep testing positive. Do you think it's a possibility that they could actually cancel NFL games this season or no? It is possible, but Major League Baseball has done something completely different than the NFL. See, they tested a lot in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Major League Baseball did. And then they laxed off when they started playing. I mean, the first few games, first, you know, when they first got there and everything, they were testing good and all this. And then it kind of, they, they didn't continue with it. They did it for 14 days. I think that's what it was or whatever. And then they kind of, they kind of thought, okay, well, everything's good. So, you know, we're going to relax on our standards and stuff. And I think that the NFL is not going to do that. At least I hope not. At least I hope that they take a page out of, uh, they look at what the MLB is doing right now and what's happening to them, and they understand that the testing is important to uh-huh. test more often and to be able to do the test correctly so that they get they don't they avoid the false positives and false negatives that yeah. sometimes come up with the test. I think that's the most dangerous thing about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking that you that you don't have it and you're out there going, yay, you know, I don't have it. Blah, blah, blah. Justin mm-hmm. Coleman, I think, didn't he test negative the day before and then tested positive the next day? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I believe w- that's I the think. case. And he's even saying, I, I don't even know if this is the right test. So they have to test him again. What if it comes up negative? Right. Is that one false positive or is that him testing? Po- that is a difficult thing about this, about this testing uh, protocol is that you're getting some false positives and false negatives. The false negatives are worse because of the fact that those people are going to thinking they're fine and they're infecting other people mm-hmm. <laughs> in your, well, in your facility, mm-hmm. you know, your well, team. got to realize these tests are qualitative tests, not quantitative tests, which means they're either positive or negative. We don't know exactly how many virus particles that the test got a hold of. So it's possible you can flip back between negative and positive, just depending on how good of a sample you got. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's a problem. Uh-huh. And so I think that I think what we have to do is we have to. Um, it, it's hard to do, but we have to come up with some sort of standard. And I think that's that's something that the NFL could do, and more regular testing, and and it's all education and knowledge and learning about what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Look mm-hmm. at other players, look at other teams, look at other, you know, uh, leagues, see what they're doing, see where they failed, and then fix it. 
-hmm. As we go forward, we're going to learn more. And as we learn more, we'll be able to do better and better and better. And, and pretty soon we'll find a vaccine and this will go away at some point. At some point, this is going to go away. Yeah. I mean, everybody agrees with that. Yeah. One way or the other. Yep. Whether it's <laughs> this year or next year. <laughs> it's not good, man. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Let's cross our fingers. We get through this NFL season at least. So yeah. We'll get you out of here with this last question. We've both had had multiple decades as Lions fans. So what's your favorite Lions memory? Favorite Lions memory. Ooh. God, that's a tough one. But it has to be the win in Dallas. Yeah. You know, it has to be the it has to be the playoff win over Dallas. The one thing I didn't witness. <laughs> because the, the thing is, I in, in retrospect, if I'm remembering this correctly, I don't think we were favored in that game. Probably not. It was a home game for us. But I don't think we were favored we, in it. You're right. We might. I don't know. It was close anyway. But we just we stomped on them. It was crazy. That we wasn't expected. Yeah. At all. Right. Because think of, think of us today, getting in the playoffs. We play somebody like New England or somebody. You know, I know that can't happen. But I'm just saying that yeah. caliber of team right away, and we just put our foot on their throat. You know. If we had went on and faced anyone else but Washington, because they were so good that year, they were really. Good. I th- I think we I think we were making history that year, but of course we're the Lions and we run into the team that is. Uh, it <laughs> was just a terrible about. team for us to play. Yeah. You know they ran the ball really well. They kept the offense off the field. Their defense was really good. They bottled up Barry Sanders, which was difficult to do. They just had an answer for everything we did, you know. We had no answers for them, but yeah. that would be my favorite: is the Dallas, the Dallas game where we beat the crap out of Dallas. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. All right, well, thanks for coming on our show. Yeah, we. No, were... I had a blast, man. Awesome. We Do appreciate you. Do you want to promote? Oh, I've got a few things going on. Uh, I got a. Shoot, I even do a hockey show. So on at 3 o'clock tomorrow, we have the Offside Show, and uh, that will be on my channel. Also on my YouTube channel is called the Who's in the Room series, and Jimmy's been on it, and Jordan's been on it, and I've had a bunch of other fun people on, Jeremy Reisman, and a bunch of other guys on there, and we've had a good time getting to know everybody. So you can check out that series on my channel. DSA Roundtable is going to be next Tuesday and Thursday at 8 o'clock. And then we have a show about the Pistons called Above the Rim. I'm not sure whose channel it is on. Check the DSA for your listing. I think it's 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Nice. So that's what's going on in my world, which is quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, you're a very busy man. Like I said, we appreciate you taking out the time and coming on Thank here to you. spend the time with us. All right, well, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you again next time.